couple of quick announcements before we get onto the episode. Just Hands is brought to you by Solve for Why. Sign up for poker training from Solve for Why. You can check out the link in the description. Matt Berkey has recently come out with a course called The Exploitative Matrix, and that course creates clear protocols for making decisions in hands. Um, I found it to be very valuable myself um, for making decisions in games when under pressure. Additionally, I wanted to remind everyone that we have a Just Hands Patreon and that supporters at the $10 level get access to the Just Hands Slack group where they can ask questions about hands and receive advice from Jack and me. And finally, I wanted to mention that I'll be hosting a Just Hands call-in show on Saturday, February 1st. I'll provide more details about that show in the episode next week. All right, everyone, on to the hand. Hello, James. Hello, Jackson. I have become used to other types of podcast intros it feels good to get back to my roots a little bit and just just throw out the old hello yeah um it's just us here just you myself in an army of helicopters um the hand today will not be one that you or i have played Uh, in fact it comes from a former podcast guest I won't mention his name, uh, just in case I don't have his explicit permission to reveal his identity here. Uh, but he's a former guest who sent me a couple hands to chew on, and I thought one of them uh, would make an interesting topic for our discussion, since it's in it's a it's a very common type of spot in poker, but not one that people necessarily get that much experience with at the low stakes, and that's button versus big blind. Oh, that's that's exciting. I've been dipping my toes a little bit into the online streets, and yeah, you get a lot more of those wide-range situations, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, just for clarity, why don't we get that many button versus big blind spots? Well, it's because our opponents are too loose. <laughs> And so it doesn't only just fold to the uh, button. I mean, yeah. it, it happens plenty, but it should happen quite a bit. And it happens far less often than it ought to. In life. And also in the nine-handed games, it's going to be more likely that someone will open than if you're playing like six max online or something. Certainly that. Well, this is not exactly a low-stakes game. This is coming from a 10-10 game. I'm not sure where. 1010, it could be Philadelphia, could be out in California, could be Las Vegas. I don't know where this is from, but we're playing 1010. And we have a $10 big blind ante. So it's also possible that this is a home game, but I don't think so. Anyways, Hero just sat down 20 minutes ago and is the effective stack with 1500. Um, some notes on our villains. Small blind seems like a not very good loose passive wreck. Big blind looks and carries himself like a professional. Late 20s, casually dressed, doesn't look like a hoodie and shades try hard. Focus on hands he isn't playing, handles the chips a certain way when betting, etc. 
All right. So 10-10, so the small blind is like the quote-unquote small blind. They're just acting before the big blind? Yeah. Small blind by seat, not by blind size. Okay. So hold it here on the button, and we have 10-6 of diamonds. Yeah, I definitely like an open with this hand. I was thinking about this a little bit. If you're in like a really high-rake environment, you could consider giving this a fold, but... That's no fun. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And it's something that our guest uh, our guest hand submitter mentions. He says, 10-6 is the bottom of my range, 10-6 suited. But with a weak small blind, an ante, and time rake, I think it's an open. And so more or less, I guess this is something, this is the type of hand where Hero is looking for something to shift in one way or the other. Sometimes he might hold it. Um, but this time he's going to open it, and I think that makes sense. I think the a weak small blind is a really important detail, and as you mentioned, uh, rake is a factor in these spots. Yeah, if you know if you're feeling tired and you've got like two really good players in the blinds, you know, I could see letting this go. But um, I usually like to play hands, so many do, many do. Um, so we do open, and we open to $40, which I think is a good sizing. We can go smaller, but I think with a very strong brand of big blind, uh, we want to take this pot down preflop more often. And so I think playing a little tighter, opening a little bit larger is going to work out well for us. And so I think 40 is a very strong sizing here. Small blind does fold, and big blind calls. So we have a pot of $90, and we see a flop of nine of spades, six of hearts, four of spades. And we have, as a reminder, 10 six of diamonds. Uh, so there's a spade draw, back to a heart draw. We have middle pair uh, with Matt kicker. If we face a check, what do you like here? This one, it's, I mean, it could really go either way. I think this board is pretty neutral in terms of, um, you know, both, I mean, both players have really wide ranges. Both Big Blind and Button are going to make some pairs on this board, so a lot of top pairs, um, some middle pairs. You know, if if we bet here... Um, we can deny some over cards from catching up with us at the same time, like playing this as a check back and then planning to call turn and call a lot of rivers as well. Makes sense to me. I, yeah, I might base it like based on how I think my opponent's going to play versus a check or a bet. Like if I check back, do I think they're going to probe too much on turns? as a bluff and I can feel comfortable calling that. This is an interesting spot that, you know, clearly we, we have a lot of incentive to deny. There's a lot of hands with at least one overcard and a good amount of them will fold. Although I don't think we should 
just I think it would be a mistake to overestimate how often we can get two overcard hands to fold. You know, does a seven of hearts fold? Probably not. Does a seven with the spades fold? Probably not. You know, does king jack fold? Maybe, maybe not. For that reason, if we were going to bet, I probably prefer a slightly larger sizing. I think the 10, it works. All, I think it works. Here's, here's sort of how I'm drawing the line here. How am I thinking about when am I going to check? When am I going to bet? We know we're up against a pro, which means that we're unlikely to get someone who under defends. That being said, I think some pros are going to be pretty raise heavy in this spot and other pros are going to be doing a lot of calling. Against pros who are doing a lot of calling, I like betting. I think we, we get more denial on the turn, obviously through a bet line facing a call. Uh, and there's, I think we have a number of cards that we could theoretically barrel, or we can always pot control and probably bluff catch a good amount of rivers. When we're facing a raise from an opponent who raises often here, we're in a very unclear situation without a very good path towards calling down or improving. I think with 10-6, when we improve through the 6, we're in pretty good shape. I think the 6x that would check raise here more often are actually or 6x's. I think uh, a6, king6, queen6, those are hands that have more incentive to just call because they can sometimes turn or river two pair that dominates a lot of our range. And so I think, yeah, those hands just don't have quite as much incentive to check race here. I think hands like five, six, seven, six do better as a check race because they turn equity when hero's range doesn't turn equity. And so their sort of barrel or shift to strong bluff catcher portions of the tree are a little bit clearer. And those hands can kind of shut down when the board turns favorably for hero's range. So 10-6, it's nice in that when we check, or so when we bet call, we're dominating a lot of 6x. The problem is that when we improve through the 10, it's ugly, really ugly. And I think that we're not doing so well or poorly versus the raising range that my default here is probably to check. I think it's actually as... I think I would probably bet jack six here frequently and check 10 six somewhat frequently. 10 six just has easier turn calls. Jack six improves in a much better way for you on potential turn and rivers when you turn a river that jack. And so I think against the opponent who has a good amount of check races here, uh, we would much prefer to bet with jack six. And 10 six is another hand that can check raise, and so dominating that uh, is useful. I think both the 10 and the jack 
are useful in terms of blocking some of our opponents' check raise bluffs. Like I think uh, a hand like Jack Ten of Hearts, Jack Eight of Hearts, Ten Eight of Hearts, you know, Ten Seven. All of these are very reasonable check raise bluffs for our opponent, and not getting bluffed is nice. I mean, it, it sounds like it might be bad, but I don't think it actually is bad. I think for the most part, we just want to avoid getting raised as often as possible when we have a hand like middle pair on a relatively dynamic board. Um, something else I was thinking about um, is our opponent's going to have a lot of the offsuit Broadway combos. I don't think that many of them are going to be raising preflop. So our opponent will have a lot of 10x that, like, if he has, like, queen 10, jack 10, like, maybe he'll raise sometimes with the back door if we bet. But I think a lot of the time those hands will uh, make it folded to a bet, and we kind of want to keep them in there so that when he turns top pair, we turn two pairs, so... Checking has a, a benefit against those hands, although, yeah, yeah seven eight will also get there, so uh, we can only make so much money. I think you're right. Although I will say that when we have the ten of diamonds, a lot of our opponents' ten x combos that are offsuit are going to have a spade, you know, because one and three are going to have the ten of spades, and then of the ones that aren't the ten of spades, the one and four are going to have a spade. And so, you know, we're parlaying that into something like three, well, whatever three fourths times two thirds is, it's early to be doing some multiplication. <laughs> I believe it might be one half. So we're up against half of those combos containing a spade. And those aren't actually, I don't think those are very likely to fold. King 10, queen 10, jack 10 with a spade, maybe ace 10. But it's an offsuit. Now that's a hand that can maybe get three bit. Anyways, yeah, those hands are I think more liable to check raise, especially the jack ten, queen ten with a spade. I think those make a lot of sense. Anyway, I think we're both leaning towards check, and that is what uh, Hero does here. He writes, "I think betting has a lot of merit. We usually have the best hand, and when villain folds, he'll be folding a lot of equity. Typically, at two five, I would typically bet. However," I think we should be checking back a lot of our marginal made hands here against a strong opponent. Pio does something like check 85, bet 15. I wouldn't disagree with anything that Hero said there, but I think it's really important to give the reason why. Not that I'm not saying that Hero doesn't know the reason why, but I don't think Pio does, does it here is the reason why. I think the reason is that a strong opponent is going to be continuing through a check raise a lot. And at 2-5, you're not against many opponents who do that. Oh, and a lot of those check raises will be like top pair check right. raises as well, which is which have us in really good when we have shape. second yeah. pair, yeah. Um, that's, I, I think that's the main issue, is the amount of how often our opponents are continuing through a check raise versus a call at 10-10 as opposed to 2-5. And also the what you mentioned before, the ability for our opponent to bluff you know, when it goes check-check. Now, that can actually be a reason to bet. If we have opponents who stab very, very frequently, uh, we're more incentivized to check there. If we have an opponent who's going to be bluffing well, 
then it doesn't make our check like so great. But certainly, you know, our check performs worse against someone who very rarely bluffs turn. Uh, we'd most likely rather bet. Although there's definitely a case to be made for delaying against that player. Anyways, 10-6, it's hard to go too right or too wrong here. Just a very medium strength hand in this context. Turn is the jack of spades. Uh, and so the pot is $90. Board is jack of, or nine of spades, six of hearts, four of spades, jack of spades. So the flush draw completes. What do you expect villain's betting range to look like here? What kind of sizing or sizing would you, would you think he might face? That's an interesting question. I think this board is dynamic enough that I think it makes sense for a larger size. When I say larger, I mean like larger than half pot size, so something in between half pot and full pot. Yeah, that's the kind of excising I'd expect um, to see on this turn. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, to spot where I think our opponent suddenly has a reasonable range advantage and a pretty big range advantage against the way a lot of people are playing the flop. Yet, there is quite, it is rather dynamic still. There's a lot of draws. There's still plenty of one spade hands that are possible. Over cards are possible. You know, villain with their range advantage is incentivized to bet, I think, quite a few pairs on this turn card since they should expect to face relatively few raises um, given their likely overall advantage here. We do face $80. Do you see a case for doing anything but calling here for Hero? No. Um, I guess folding would be really tight. Yeah, I I like a call here, but I I I kind of see a case for folding to be honest. Um, you know, we don't have a spade in our hand, so it's hard for us to improve. It's going to be hard for us to call down on a lot of rivers, and I'm not sure um, villain's going to be giving up with um, a lot of bluffs. And we don't really, yeah, we don't really have any great ways to improve. Like improving on a ten is not particularly good for us and yeah we could spike a six but that's not going to happen very often yeah i think this is a spot where the more our opponent is playing a balanced range i think the more we want to call and if our opponent's unbalanced towards value or strong bluffs i think we can fold and if our opponent is unbalanced towards bluffs, then I think we can call and plan to call again on a lot of rivers. Uh, I don't like knowing what the hand history is before we do the episode. I, I did read this one. Um, and so I feel bad that I'm a little, maybe being <laughs> results oriented. Yeah. Yeah, I think ten on this board, I do think our opponent is incentivized to bet some 6x and 4x that check river somewhat frequently. And I also don't think like our opponent just takes 
so many hands and decides to decides to just double barrel that it's going to make it really hard for us to ever realize equity or end up getting to value bet when we do improve on the river. Our tent got a little dirtier. It was already a little dirty. Now it's really dirty. On the other hand, our opponent has a good amount of 10x that probably check calls on certain rivers. King 10, Queen 10, 10 8. So I think there's enough good stuff that happens that we can probably call versus a bounce opponent. I don't think we're making a ton of money though. I don't think folding is some huge mistake. Yeah, I don't um, think folding is crazy. No, I don't either. In fact, I would say calling is certainly better when you can call a lot of rivers. When so I'll write what villain thinks, or sorry, what hero thinks about this spot. Here it says I don't think villain expects me to check back with a balanced range of enough nine x and spade draws. So I'd expect him to overbuff this card. I know I would against a lot of people. And I think that's, you know, that's a good line of reasoning. It's hard, you know, a lot of Jack X combos, a lot of two spades or even one big spade combos or nine X are just betting flop a lot. So yeah, we are up against an opponent who could very easily be over bluffing. The problem with that becomes that he also can be going for relatively thin value. And a lot of those bluffs have pretty good equity. And we have some reverse implied odds if we improve or if we're expecting to call down choice. Like, basically, I think the, the main point that we should take away from here is that, and I know that, I think Hero knows this. So I'm not, this is not necessarily a comment for Hero, just a comment for everybody. Our opponent overbluffing in this spot doesn't benefit our 10-6 of diamonds that much. It really benefits our ace-king of spades or our, you know, jack-10 with the 10 of spades or just hands that sometimes play through a checking line even Jack kind of the deck or, you know, with an officer 10 is tough. Like the, like an ace nine or a Kings or some of our flush draws, just playing through a check. That's really how we punish an over-aggressive opponent um, is by giving them to the opportunity to over bluff and go for too thin value when we have a stronger range than they think, not just when we have a range that looks like what they think. And so that's not to say we made any mistakes here with 10, six of diamonds. And it's not to say that we can't take advantage of our opponent potentially, potentially barreling too often. All it means is that this isn't really like how we punish that behavior. We punish it by checking back stronger hands and so uh, Hero, when Hero wrote, I don't think Villain expects me to check back with a balanced range of enough 9x and spade draws, so I'd expect him to overbuff that card. That's why we check back with a balanced range that includes enough 9x and spades draws, because we're going to be overbuffed by players of this type. And they, they're the ones who are going to have to adjust 
to the fact that we're playing a more protected range than they actually expected. Yeah. What would you, would you like call on turn equally as much if you expected to face a lot of river barrels? I mean, I guess, you know, we could bluff catch with 10, six, if we think our opponents like going crazy on turn and river, but I don't know. It's, it seems a bit, it seems tough if, if we expect them to, follow through a lot and also go like really thin for value on the river. Well, I don't think they go really thin for value on the river. And I think that's part of what benefits us. You don't think they're like betting any nine X on the river? Not for like a big size. Yeah. And that's the thing about this spot is like our opponent has a lot of incentive to go thin for value on the turn, partially because they still want some denial. Eight nine, even like a six, they have more incentive to either deny or like get value from draws and then bluff catch river or block river. I don't think like eight nine is just gonna bet like two fifty on a lot of rivers. Uh, it's possible, but I think it's unlikely. So I, I do think we're up against a more polarized range on the river which benefits us when the board kind of breaks out. Uh, having a 10 is not great either. But, you know, we we don't have that many sixes that... Like, I think we bet a lot of our other sixes on the flop. So, you know, we're just kind of stuck with a 10, <laughs> for better or worse. And there's a lot of one-spade hands that can do this. Queen-10, king-queen, 10-8. Seven eight five seven five three. Yeah, I think I don't know if I mentioned King Ten. There's just so many hands that like villain has to play very well. I think on the river, other well, if the board runs out cl- relatively cleanly for us, I think few opponents are disciplined enough to just give up at the frequency which they should. Which is why I think this spot can work out decently for us. But then, you know, it, it, I, I say it's only decent. I mean, it sounds like, okay, great. We're calling with all these. Our friend has so many bluffs and we're going to call and we're going to make a lot of money. That's nice. But it also goes check, check, and we lose a lot. It also goes bet, call, and then we just lose because our opponent just has like a flush or a jack or two pair or set, whatever. And also, you know, if the river's a five, are we going to just fold? Like, Maybe, but maybe not. Um, and then we might pay off 7-8, even though we get to call it down versus Queen-10. So it's still a, a finished spot, but I do think uh, our opponent plays in a way that's favorable for us on a lot of rivers. Speaking of, the river we see in this instance is the Four of Hearts. Pretty bricky. <laughs> it's pretty bricky, although we can see 4x here. Was the four a spade on the... Yeah. Okay. So, I yeah, I don't think it's out of the question that 4x, that's the turn. Yeah. For value protection. But I think it mostly checks. And the, it it's definitely much better for us than a spade or a king or a queen. 
or even like a an eight. Yeah, it's not good. So it's it's on the whole a decent card. So right, it goes check check and we win, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> wouldn't be a just hands hand if it was that simple. <laughs> no checks and then we rip it. <laughs> Villain bets two twenty five into two seventy. What do you think about this sizing from Villain? I think that a lot of, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is, I'm not sure. Let's see. I don't think a nine is going this size. I think some are, Villain is polarized to like a jack and yeah, like top pair or better for this sizing. I think it looks like we are rather capped although we can definitely have some flushes here to call down with and we should have some flushes here for sure i would like checking the flop with the nut flush um at some frequency if we expect the big blind to be pretty aggressive um when the flush comes in yeah Yeah. so it is it is a somewhat polarizing bet um we block a set. <laughs> I guess we block some two pair as well, but we also block some bluffs with a 10. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. You know, um, I think it, I mean, I think at equilibrium, this is going to be a fold most of the time. But, um, you know, um, it depends. Like maybe we have a read on how the, how, pros play this spot or how the field is playing this spot yeah it's part of the what's tricky about this spot is like it's such a draw heavy board that it's really hard not to be blocking bluffs yeah like what's a what's a bluff catcher that doesn't block bluffs maybe like ace six ace nine Mm -hmm. nine deuce we probably don't play that. So there's not many. Like, I do think a 10 is worse than, like, if we had 6-5 here, let's say. I think that's better. 9-5, I think that's better. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to, because blockers are murky in this spot, I think it's just going to come more down to, like, what we think about our opponent. I think this size is good from our opponent. I like it. Because it's a spot where if our range is perceived to be weak, then value doesn't want to just go huge necessarily. And I also think it's a spot where like we are maybe perceived to be a bit polarized between like weaker bluff catchers and then like you said, some like slow plays. And so our opponent doesn't necessarily want to just like throw in 400 with a jack. And I think this sizing also preserves the possibility that our opponent could be doing this with like some of the best kicker nine X like ace nine king nine. I I think that makes sense. I don't think those hands do so well, like facing a bet. And so there's not much incentive to like try and bluff catch and they still have a reasonable value option on the table. 
And if our opponent understands how much they're bluffing, that's something that they should strongly consider doing. I I would expect those 9x to go for a block sizing a lot of the time. Yeah, I think a lot of 9x would. Maybe all. But I do think we... I wouldn't be shocked to see, like, ace-nine of diamonds take this line. Should we call here with 10-6? Like, the more our opponent isn't betting for thin value and does give up with bluffs, the better it becomes. That's sort of obvious. Is, is it correct to do? I can't really say. Hero seems to think that villain is going to be over-bluffing in this spot. If that's true then we're probably making money on this call, is my guess. Uh, and it's hard for me to imagine that like we're lighting money on fire calling here. So I think calling is a pretty robust play, and I definitely don't mind it. I'm not sure we're printing, but I think it's more likely we're printing than we're just like lighting money on fire versus this opponent on this board. So I would call. That being said, let me walk that back just a bit, because I think a very high-level opponent here might do somewhat little bluffing. So that, that increases our downside. Like, what are some hands that you think very likely call the turn and fold the river from Hero's spot? Well, <laughs> I got to think our hand could fall into that camp but yeah yeah a lot of a lot of six x i guess a lot of ace of spade king of spade queen of spade hands with a high spade in them that are what are those yeah i guess a lot of them will interact but we could have like queen five suited here you know uh or i guess i guess it's not with a single spade oh good point i guess Queen nine is paired. So a lot of those will have combo draws or they'll be paired. Yeah, it's like, I think there's a case against a player you think is thinking to never bluff on this river. Maybe only bluff with hands like seven, eight, five, seven, if you uh, bet those on the turn. Just because it's not a scary river. Our opponent does retain 4x, and so now all those are trivial calls or raises. And anything like 9x or better is almost certainly calling. And if our opponent has like 6x or 7s or 8s, they call a good amount, I think. Maybe not 8s. But there's just not quite, there's not that much garbage. And if our opponent has a hand like, like the hand I think we get to fold the most easily is king-queen. So if we had a queen or a king in our hand, I probably don't love here, uh, which is why I think like seven, eight, five, seven can still make some sense. But yeah, king, even if like that, that's sort of flawed thinking in itself, like seven, eight, if you can, uh, get king-queen to fold, it's nice, but your opponent still probably retains a lot of other things that just call. So you need king-queen to, one, be a pretty big part of your opponent's range, and then, two, 
fold or else get other hands to fold. So I think our downside might be higher because if, if this is a villain who thinks in that way and can really turn on the brakes and just rarely bluff in this spot, then Hero could be letting my own fire. But I don't think many players do that. It's just not how most professionals are wired. They're more wired to either be overly aggressive or pretty balanced, especially like someone in their 20s. <laughs> yeah, I I think, you know, we've had some time to think about this hand for a while, but, you know, the the default, like, like if I don't have that much time to think about it, I have 7-8 here. Like, I'm probably going for it on the river just because it's like, oh, this is like my lowest, you know, I have eight high. So bluffing can never be that bad. Yeah. And I, I don't think I check it seven, eight here, but if I have queen 10, I'd like to think I could maybe find a give up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would though. And that's probably, that's, I think why I like call in villain spot. Cause it's just really hard to pull the give up trigger especially when you feel like you have a pretty big advantage. So here it does call. Not so surprising. Hero writes, I know this isn't the best combo of 6x to call. We don't block a flush. 10-6 blocks both queen-10 and 8-10, which are open-ended straight draws. But I think he's like... Can, can we stop it there for a moment? Like, I don't yeah. think having the 10 of spades is better or worse, to be honest. Like, I think a lot of our opponent's bluffs are going to have the 10 of spades in them. So, or like having a single spade. Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, it, I agree. It's, yeah, I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah, here. in a wide range situation, it can even become slightly worse to have a spade, I think. Yeah. You, might, you start to maybe block more bluffs than value. I don't know if that, I don't know if this is quite that case, but it might be. This is like a, an interesting board in that a lot of connectors have a pair. And so the suited hands tend to be more, like you get a lot of gap suited hands compared to gap offsuit hands. And since so many connectors are paired on this board, the fact that someone might be playing more gap hands kind of makes it nice to block a flush. But yeah, I don't think it's that relevant. Results are villain had queen eight. Preacher didn't have spade either. Not sure if it's called as a fluke or good. It's a bit wider than GTO. Well, I think, you know, it, it makes sense that you'd be calling a little bit wider than GTO based on everything you said about villain. You expect him to overbluff the turn, which suggests that he might be in a good position to overbluff the river. And so we would, it makes sense that we call off our opponents over both the river. That's why I think our opponent should have nine X here at some frequency. And also why I think uh, it is important to find give ups. Queen eight, tough one. You I know, think a 10 didn't come. Yeah. 10 would have been a little gross. I wonder. If, yeah. If, On the other hand, like, I guess he can't it's nice check that we're blocking a 10. A 10. Yeah. No, we can't. Are you thinking that? That's too thin. Yeah, that's, you're getting yourself in trouble there. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting hand because I think uh, we don't have very clear blockers to guide us. We have an ambiguous decision on the flop and we have a spot where like perception is strong on the turn, but that complicates things and that depending on like the level of our opponent's thought, uh, their range on the river can look very different. So overall, I think it's a difficult spot. I think calling down, it shows heart. It shows a willingness to like make non-trivial calls, which is an important skill. And I think it's very plausibly the, the best line you could have taken in this spot. Um, and it, you didn't get a hand that I think gave you very many other good options. Uh, and so I like, I like this line. I think it was well-played, well-reasoned. James, thank you as always for joining me and look forward to seeing all of you next week for the next fabulous installment of the Just Hands podcast. Bye, everyone.